Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, and I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Mm. It's kind of a stormy, rainy morning here on this Friday the 13th. Apparently a full moon tonight, too. Though we're awfully overcast. I'm not sure if it'll show. Ooh, it's kind of breezy out here on front. I was going to keep an eye on Jackson, but... Might be a little too breezy to sit here. Let's go try out back. So far, not a whole lot of rain, but um, it's acting like maybe it wants to. We had some kind of um, critter get into our pond in the secret garden last night. Maybe for the last couple of nights. Um, David was out here investigating, and we brought the kitties out to sniff. We believe that it is very likely a, um, I think it's bobcat. David was saying maybe raccoon, but we really haven't ever seen a raccoon here. Uh, we have seen bobcats, but there's um, definitely a path trampled down from the wall and some crushed vegetation around the pond. We think it was trying to get to the fishies. So David's going to put out the uh, camera tonight. We do have a motion-sensitive camera that he hasn't had out for a while. And here we have the uh, pack wrap. Uh, Burr Festival. I have to get the paper bag here. I've got quite a collection now in this paper bag. I'll take a picture of the uh, vegetation trampling around the pond so you all can see, but I don't know how well it will show up. It's one of those things that's a little bit easier to see with the naked eye, you know. Though maybe if I'm good enough with my photography skills, <laughs> we can see if I can make it show. What's funny about these Troya birds, I don't know if you guys could see it in the photos or if I mentioned, but they're also all combined with um, white cotton stuffing from the patio furniture. <laughs> so I know that Pack Red is also taking stuffing out of the pillows, which I know would drive my mother crazy, among other things. Um, so yeah, when... We were kind of deciding that maybe it was a bobcat because the kitties definitely acted. They have a certain way that they behave when it's another cat. Uh, I said, hey, maybe the bobcat will kill the pack rat. And David just gave me a look. <laughs> Not, I don't even know what that look was. Maybe it was, well, he's tried to trap the pack rat. I tend to get very sympathetic and um, I don't, I don't like it when he, traps the animals and stuff <laughs> although he uses live traps for the most part um, so yeah I, I I know I am a total I don't feel like the word is hypocrite I don't know maybe it's my usual fence sitter ways you know it's like I would like pack rat to stop trying to take possession of the patio table I would like it if pack rat did not carry off my garden gloves and did not chew through the hoses on the drip system. But otherwise, I feel like we could live and let live. And I don't really want to trap Pack Rat and make it leave. 
but I may, um, I don't know, dig out its home. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I'm such a weenie, you guys. <laughs> All right. I have things to talk about today, so I should focus. Um, I did get a comment from Library Addict, hi, that, uh, that the car ride was, car ride podcasts were fun because you could hear me yelling at the other drivers, which I think is funny. Um, I don't know why there's that noise. So I might see if I can figure that out because I do think it's good to mix things up again. I don't know what that's coming from. Yeah, so we'll see. I could always try driving like the Highlander and see if that does better. Um, so my mom also mentioned that yesterday I sounded tired. And I was a little tired yesterday. Um, David had seemed like he was kind of fighting a bug the day before. And I was feeling like it yesterday. Not bad, but just a little punky. Um, and I'm a little tired today still. I can't tell if it's that or, um, you know, just having a lot of different projects kind of coming together at once. And I'd mentioned this yesterday on the podcast that wasn't and then didn't come back around to it. And I said I would talk about it some today. But I'm going to save that for the end um, because the first thing I want to talk about is, is agents and how agents and their compensation and their titles work. Because I feel like people don't understand this in general. So the thing about agents is that there are many different models for how a literary agent gets paid. Okay, So it could be that, and very rarely, this is unusual, but sometimes an agent will draw a salary from the agency. Usually that's if they are doing other jobs for the agency as well, like um, keeping track of accounting. Or I knew an agent who was served as an assistant to the senior agent at the agency or the, the, the person, you know, because like the names. So we'll, we'll use Nancy Yost Literary Agency as the model. Nancy Yost owns the agency. It's her agency, her name's on it, and then she has agents working for her. So like Sarah Younger, my agent, is works for Nancy. Um, and Sarah receives commission for the books that she sells, and Nancy also gets, so she gets 15% of whatever she sells for me, and Nancy gets a piece of that percentage too. Now, I know that in Sarah's case, she also gets some money. I don't know benefits or what she might have for benefits covered. <clears throat> I've never asked her, and every agency is different, of course. So she might get benefits. Uh, she might draw a salary because she handles the royalty statements and some other um, office administrative stuff for Nancy. Uh, a Agent who typically, typically an agent who comes on as a brand new agent to the agency who's being mentored by a more senior agent, uh, very often they will draw no salary whatsoever, no benefits, um, especially at an agency where uh, there's not an office. 
So, for example, my previous agency, Fuse, uh, Lori McCain, Mc, <laughs> can't talk this morning. Lori McLean is one of the partners. Gordon Warnock is another partner. They both work out of their own homes. There is no physical office for Fuse. And so the various agents who work for Fuse are all basically affiliated with the agency. Um, Lori, I think, I don't know how they structure it exactly, but Lori gets a percentage of the 15% that her that any of her agents sell. So I know that um, I've been with two agents at Fuse and Lori gets a little piece of what they sold for her. And part of that's in return for mentoring and also she handles all the money. So when I get royalty checks for work that my agents there sold, it they come from Lori. And so she handles all of that accounting and everything. So, and and this model just really differs from agency to agency. But the upshot is is that for the most part, uh, you know, it's not like a more junior agent is an employee of the senior agent. And things like what their titles are, whether they are an associate agent or assistant agent or senior agent, these things are somewhat immaterial um, other than for hierarchy within the agency and for, you know, I, I, I don't know another way to put it, uh, you know, sounding good. Everybody likes having a good title. I'm, I'm put in mind of something that somebody told me about, I think it was China, that one thing that the Chinese corporations love to do was that they would promote people and give them better titles, but they would not make any more money. <laughs> You'd make the same money no matter what. But, th but that was like all you, all you could, and maybe this was because it was communist China, I don't really know, but all you could do to advance was get a fancier title. And so I'm not saying that it's not a valuable thing to the person. It's, it is clearly important to the person to have that, I don't know, you know, feel like you are validated in a way by having the title. But really, depending on the agency model, in many, many agencies, for someone to be a senior agent is, is not particularly meaningful. It doesn't, um, it doesn't reflect their, I don't know, whether or not they're a good agent. Let's put it that way. It doesn't reflect whether or not they've actually made more sales. It's very easy for a partner in agency to give someone else a, to give one of the junior agents a promotion, give them a better title, because um, they don't have to, it's not like they have to pay them money for it to reflect that. So it's just a good thing to keep in mind because for authors, when you are looking at whether or not someone is an effective agent, and by this I mean an effective agent is someone who can sell your work. That's what it comes down to. I mean, there is a lot of song and dance out there about, you know, like having an agent in your corner and, you know, 
how you get along with them and reputation, you know, sort of all of these things and all of those things that are important, but where the rubber meets the road, as it were, is whether or not that agent can sell your work. So how you get along, whether your business styles match, if they you know, really love what you do, all of that stuff plays in because all of that affects how effectively they can sell your work. But what's really critical is, is their fire, their tenacity, their contacts in the industry, their what editors think of them, if editors like them and respect and trust their choices. Because part of what an agent does, and one thing that I really love about my agent, Sarah, is that the editors trust that agent to bring them things that are right for them. And And I see some of the replies that editors make to Sarah where they say, oh, you know, I'm always excited to get your projects. Uh, You know, I know that your projects move fast. And that's why, that is the huge difference in an agent submitting work instead of an author submitting work. Because the editors know that the agent is going to give them stuff that, that is much more likely to be right for them. Now, that's a good agent, right? So a good agent has that ability. A good agent isn't going to waste an editor's time with something that they know they're not going to want. Agents who are not good at this, who either don't have enough contacts to know what the editors want, or they don't have the business savvy to stick to giving them only the projects they want, and there are some agents who do that. They'll just kind of scattershot. They'll submit to every editor possible, you know, hoping. And and over time, that can erode their reputation. The editors won't even reply to them because they're just like, oh, yeah, that guy, you know, he's sent me seven different things and none of them were right for me and I don't, you know, I can't even with him. So... So this is the thing to find out, and it's not always easy to find out, but it's whether or not the agent can sell their client's work. And of course, there's always a project here or there that's hard to sell, and that's not, you know, that's not the agent's fault all the time, but there, there can be a pattern. So not all agents report their sales to Publishers Weekly. Publishers Marketplace, sorry, not Publishers Weekly, Publishers Marketplace, um, but many do. The ones who don't, sometimes it's because they don't want people to see that they're not actually making sales. Um, others have other reasons for it. The other thing you can do is find out who those, who that agent's clients are and ask them, how many projects have they sold for you? You know, and if it's been years you know that that's a sign so don't be don't spend too much time thinking about whether someone is a senior agent or a brand new agent because a brand new agent might work really hard for you because they're building their list right and 
you know, a totally new agent may not have any many sales yet, but they might have good contacts and a good strategy. And if they're being mentored by an agent who's making good sales, that's helpful. Um, something else to keep in mind about sales is, is that some agents will take someone who is very successful at self-publishing and get them a trad deal. And they'll list that as a sale. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, that's a good thing. But it's also an easier sale than others. So what you want to look at is what sales have they made their, for their clients beyond the initial sale? If they've only ever made one sale for their client, well, that's nice, but it's also not a career builder. You want to see which agents have made multiple book deals for their clients. <clears throat> so I hope that's helpful. Um, if you have more questions about this, please ask, because I'm, I'm happy to talk about it, and I feel like this kind of thing doesn't get discussed enough, um, and authors need to know it. Uh, and then, so then coming back around to metaphysics, there's something about being creative and creating works that takes energy out of us. And, yeah, I was trying to think about it. I kind of talked about it on the, in the car, and then I, that was part of why I decided not to do that podcast, because I'm not always comfortable talking about these things, because I don't really understand them, I guess. You know, I have my own ideas. There are some people who are so definitive about this stuff, you know, like saying, oh, the, you know, the success people, you know, here's how you manifest your desires in the world and all of this and a lot of times they're just parroting other people and sounding confident I think is part of their shtick right you know it's part of being the snake oil salesman is that you sound confident so I do think though that for me right now with this new project going out on submission that that has a big piece of my personal energy attached to it and then with release day coming up in nearly a week, that book has a big piece of my personal energy attached to it. Uh, also, I'm working on this revision of another book, and so I have a big piece of my creative energy attached to that. So I think all of these things just sort of, um, they pull at us on a non-tangible level. And so I think that's part of... Um, yeah, I think that just is a little bit draining. And I think it's not in a bad way. I think that's what we have to do when, when we are creators, when we are making anything. That in a way we are, I vote, we are reversing entropy. I remember when I first learned about entropy in school, um, my allergies are kind of going a little bit now, um, you know, the universe tends towards entropy, meaning that things fall apart. If you leave something out, it will gradually fall apart. And life is what puts things back together. And human beings put things together with a kind of conscious or subconscious guiding of how that manifests, of what it will be. So when we write a book or build a thing or do a project at work, put together something for somebody else. 
all of these things are us working against entropy, right? We are putting things together and we're using our ourselves, our personal energy to put that into the universe and make the thing real. So I think um, when we release work into the world, that a little piece of us goes with it. I think that's part of what voice is in writing or whatever the equivalent would, would be in other arts or other other works. I think any work we do, you know, like even, um, I think cleaning the house in a way is a creative act that puts my personal energy into the house because I move around and I touch things and I polish them and I'm, it's like I affirm my connection to this place that surrounds me. And so some of my personal energy goes into that. And you know how you can walk into somebody's house and kind of feel, especially someone that you know well, so you know what they feel like, and you can feel their presence in the house. I think we put our energy into things and, and that it stays there. It, at some point, it separates from us and it stays in the thing. So... I probably could have spent more time on that. Maybe I'll talk about it more on Monday. So, but now I need to get to work. I've got 81 pages to go on Fiery Crown, and I really want to finish it today. So, we'll see if we get that done, right? Think good thoughts. Uh, I hope you all have a great end of your week. I hope things are going well for all of you. And go out there and um, put your energy into something. Let it have it. I will talk to you all later. Take care. Bye-bye.